listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we are talking with author, researcher, and human resources professional, Ben Eubanks, about artificial intelligence in human resources. We love talking about the workforce of the future here at Workplace Perspective, and I cannot wait to hear Ben's thoughts on integrating artificial intelligence into the world of HR. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. And welcome to Workplace Perspective, Ben Eubanks. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. We're happy to have you. So, Ben, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So, goodness, um, I'll keep this one short and sweet. As you mentioned, I'm an author, wrote a book called Artificial Intelligence for HR. I figure we're going to dig into that a little bit. Um, I'm a researcher, so I try to understand what's happening at work right now, what the high-performing companies are doing we can all learn from, what are some of the lessons maybe we can stay away from, things like that. And so it's really fun to kind of have this perch and, and get to see what's happening in the broader world of technology and HR and try to figure out the best stories from both. All right. Well, that's what we're going to do. It's a here to talk about. So we have done on the show, we've done a couple shows about artificial intelligence in the workforce. And I can see how integration is really going to move us forward, you know, in terms of expanding capabilities and streamlining the workforce of the future, which I'm very positive about. I'm positive about this too. But I got to say, HR really just seems like one of those places we need to like pause for a moment. Because just the complexities of HR and the you know, the issues that arise with like fairness and accountability seem to warrant some serious thought when it comes to digital HR. So one of the things I want to do is I want to start by asking you sort of how you see artificial intelligence and HR sort of integrating. Sure. So there are certain things that AI is well suited to do, and there are certain things that it is not. And that is, that's not just Ben's opinion of the world. That's what the research actually shows. And there's actually a fun, I'll give you some some fun learning today. It's called Morvik's Paradox. There's a, an AI term that looks at what things it's easy to teach an algorithm to do. And what they found is the things that are easy for us, like caring for other people, identifying emotions in others, being able to look around and say, this is what these things are, and identify 10 objects in the room you're in right now, that's really easy for us. But it's hard to teach an algorithm to do that. On the flip side, advanced statistics and calculus. If you look at my high school grades, you'll know that that wasn't my thing, but algorithms- I'm can, a lawyer. What does that tell you about me? <laughs> but let's stay as far away from the math as possible. Thank you. Um, algorithms, it's easy to teach those to do that because it's very rules-based. There are specific parameters around it. There is a right and a wrong answer. And so the more uncertainty there is, the more we need a human in the mix. And that involves HR too. Yeah, I think that's one of people's biggest fears. Um, and I think that it, it is a fear. And so people aren't really thinking it through to say that, well, you know, it can be parsed, 
right? It sounds to me almost what you're saying. Like it really can be parsed out because there are things that artificial intelligence is really good at. But then there's the human aspect that needs to be taken into consideration. And what we've been hearing on the show a lot is this idea that the more that we utilize artificial intelligence, the more it frees up human beings to do more of what they're good at, you know, more of that human aspect. So so, so I was going to say that the human aspect, you brought that up. So there's what's fun is as I was writing the book, I actually finished everything I'd planned to write and went to the publisher and said, I feel like if someone reads this, they're going to think, what in the world is that going to have for my job? Because these tools can do amazing things in hiring right. and developing talent and engaging people without the HR professional being involved in that directly in some cases. And I was like, I don't want them to feel like distraught. So I went back and did some research on what happens when automation comes through. The wave of mechanical automation and in you know years past, digital automation now, what happens to the jobs that are left behind? And the jobs actually become more human in nature. So we built this human skills model that looks at the five human skills of work, creativity, collaboration, compassion, curiosity, and critical thinking. And those, th- those are things that the data show algorithms can't do those things very well. And those are the human aspects. If we want to look at what parts of the job we really want to focus on, those are the apps, those are the pieces of it we really need to make sure humans are involved in. No one wants to outsource compassion to a robot, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the fear. So tell me, what are you seeing? How, how right now is HR sort of integrating AI into the, into the profession? So there's a, again, there's a lot of good use cases out there. A lot of them focus actually on hiring just because there's so much volume there. So many candidates coming through, it's Mm -hmm. really hard. I don't know. You might've met them, but I've never met a recruiter that said, I can't wait to get up today and go look at 200 resumes. Yes, that's, (laughs) no one does that. Right? That part of your job is already pretty robotic anyway, right? So if we could have an algorithm help us do that, that's not just do that, but we'll probably we might talk, talk in the bias a little bit, maybe in a little bit. But if we yeah, can I want to get there, I got it's on my list. Okay, help with that without looking at someone's gender, their name, where they live, where they went to college, like those things that might flag a certain gender or ethnicity. If we can avoid those kind of things and just look at their skills, their capabilities, and rank them on those. An algorithm could actually help us to do that in a more unbiased way. All right. Um, so on the recruiting side, there's some good applications. There's actually some interesting things inside the workplace as well. There's a company I ran across at, at one point. I actually coached them in a competition a couple of years ago because I thought it was just so neat. And they actually have an AI coach for managers in the business. So if it's, it kind of sits there on my, on my dashboard. And if I'm, I'm working away, it takes information from my performance reviews, takes information from employee feedback surveys. And you find out after one of those feedback surveys, like, hey, Ben's not very good at delegation. And so it can pop up and say, hey, if you have a few minutes, we, we can take you through a, a TED Talk on how to delegate better. Or here's really? some training. Yeah. And it can coach me on the things I need to work on, but your things you need to work on are, are radically different, right? And so it can give us some tailored coaching and support. Again, does it replace the human no, but for those low-hanging fruit, the easy interventions, that at least spurs me. It might I might not even realize that I'm bad at delegating until I get that feedback from the people, and I might ignore it from them, but when it's pushing it like, hey, this is coming up over and over again, we see a theme, you can get better at that. So there's some really interesting applications in learning, talent management, engagement, you, you name it. We can go, go kind of deep in, in one area or another. Cool. All right. So I want to talk about the data in a minute. So that's some benefit and I talk about some challenges. So let's give it fair play on both sides because we know there are some challenges. So, so the, definitely the bias piece, and I'll actually give you a fun one you probably haven't heard before. 
there's actually research that shows humans are biased against algorithms and the predictions they make. It's called <laughs> algorithmic aversion. And, and I, it's strangely enough, let's say um, you're going to give you an example of what it looks like. If you give me a recommendation for, for where to go for dinner and it's a terrible recommendation and I hate it, I'll be like, you know what? She's human. She messed up. It's okay. But if I rely on an app to do that and it gives me a terrible recommendation, I'll probably never use it again. Right. We, right, we don't give it that same kind of leeway. And so we're, we're averse to that. But what's interesting is the data show, if I have the chance to put my own two cents into it, even if it doesn't change the outcome, it doesn't change the result, I still feel better about that recommendation. I still feel better about that. And it's kind of like about you, feedback, right? Yes. So if, yeah. I, if the algorithm is okay. giving a recommendation to me and I'm like, well, I like these things and here's my favorites and here's my preferences, even if it doesn't change that top three ranking, it still gives me the same three. I'm still more likely to believe it than I would before before I had a chance to have my say. And from a candidate perspective, think about that. If you're if you're a recruiter and you're trying to have this thing shortlist some candidates, you can go in and say, okay, we need to weight this more heavily. We need to make sure this this is considered, even if it doesn't change that ranking fundamentally because it was already looking at those things, it makes us feel comfortable like, okay, well, I've had my say so, and maybe the algorithm's right because it agrees with me. Strangely enough, that's that's one of the things that's involved there. But the bias piece too. Um, so humans are biased. We know that. Algorithms amplify that bias. So if you and I make a bad decision once, it might kind of get skirted over. But if an algorithm looks at that and says, hey, that's the right decision, and I'm going to copy that mm -hmm. across the entire spectrum, bad things happen. We can be even more efficient at making the wrong decisions. And so there's a, there's a story in the news a year or two ago about a, a large – e-commerce company, they tried to use an algorithm to pick candidates out of their resume pool for which ones would be the best hires. Well, they had done a long, long history of hiring men, promoting men, giving good mm -hmm. reviews to men. And so when they said, hey, algorithm, go pick someone to hire, it said, well, women are not good because you haven't hired them historically. Right. And so that's an example of how the things we're doing. It's not that the AI, when they actually started using it, they biased it with that data set they gave it. Mm -hmm. But there are other examples where AI comes out into the world, it's unbiased, and through how we use it, it becomes biased over time. So right. it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. Both sides of that can happen. But again, there are some ways that it can prevent that bias if we're using it the right way. Yeah, that's one of the things I think is really interesting, this idea, and, it, and that's not a take on anything, but what comes to mind is like garbage in, garbage out. So if you're you know putting in bad information, you're gonna get you're gonna get bad results. Yes. But I think that one of the issues, one of the biggest things about HR is it's so messy, right? HR is never clean. Nobody ever comes to you and says, oh, here's this perfect little problem wrapped in a bow. And, yes. you know, it's very quick. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's always messy. And there's always a lack of data. So from, you know, from a legal perspective, when you're asking, you know, for more information, like I need this, I need that. Can you tell me that there's always something missing, whether it's a file, whether it's a piece of paper or on the paper, there's like blanks, somebody hasn't filled it out. I think that's what I, that's what I worry about impacting that on the statistical side as well. Yes. Because it's, you know, even if it's great, you know, even if you've tried to address the inherent bias in algorithms, I worry about the completeness of the data or the authenticity of the data that's being maintained afterwards right well, you're talking about paper too i mean that's and that should be easier than actually connecting some of the systems so on the on the technology side put on my nerd hat for a second 
depending on the size of the company, you could be using dozens of applications to manage all the different pieces oh, of yeah. your HR yeah. talent and learning functions. And AI requires data to, to work properly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I mean, I can train it on a data set and give it to you, but it's going to be a generic data set. It's not tailored to mm -hmm. your company, your industry, your culture, like any of those things. And so to tailor it to you, I need a lot of data. And the problem is right now, a lot of those systems are sitting out there in silos and not connected, which mm -hmm. makes it really hard to, for them to be accurate or as accurate as they could be. It's, is a, it's a real challenge. So it's one thing that most most companies know that they realize that and and they kind of they kind of struggle with okay what are we going to do about it um, when they're when some company is implementing some tool that might help them with you know automated video interviews to pick which candidate is supposed to be the best right. in air quotes there the best one those are are dependent on testing with that company trying to get a custom okay. data set from that company but it's not always easy to do that. It's interesting, though, but from some, you know, going back to a positive perspective on the whole thing, I do think that if it can be, you know, tighter, you know, if it can be more accurate and, and all, I do think that it would help in cases of discrimination because a lot of, especially, um, it's a particular kind of uh, discrimination that happens when through policies and procedures and practices of a company. So they're not they're impacting. So they input a policy that while on its face is neutral, right? Yes. It looks absolutely neutral, but the impact is actually disparate. It's, it's impacting one group different than another unintended consequences. And one of the ways you prove that sort of bias or that uh, discriminatory intent or whatever is through statistical analysis yes. data. So yes. if the data can be more accurate, then it would be, you know, it'd be a great way to complement that to find out, you know, if a company faster is a, is a policy that's being implemented actually disproportionately impacting one group more than another, even though it seems to us to be perfectly neutral, right? Yes. We're not, we didn't base it on sex, we didn't base it on any protected classification. So in that way, I think it'd be kind of cool. Yes. Well, that, what's really neat is there are some some pretty amazing applications that can help us to solve that, that ignore all the gender and everything else, and they can help us see see what's happening behind the scenes and, again, make those more objective decisions. And, again, I can use some examples of that in a little bit. But I, I, it excites me to think that if we can remove remove that human bias in the process as much as we can, we can maybe get better, um, a more fair and equitable kind of work environment. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, so we're going to take a break about halfway. So uh, when we come back, uh, more thoughts uh, from Ben and his insights on artificial intelligence and HR. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Adults with developmental disabilities deserve to have jobs, develop friendships, and live independently. That's why 40-year-old Project Independence exists. Our accomplishments are reflected in the successes our clients achieve doing things most take for granted. Importantly, 87 cents of every dollar raised by Project Independence goes directly to support specialized programs for people who need them. Whatever level of involvement is right for you, we hope you will help your often underserved neighbors. To get involved, call 714 549 3464 or visit www.proindependence.org. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. 
Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with author and researcher, HR professional, Ben Eubanks, about artificial intelligence in the workplace. So before we stepped out on break, you were talking about some examples. So why don't you, why don't you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So there's actually a, you mentioned disparate impact, and it's not a legal podcast without a mention disparate impact. So, but <laughs> I got to throw a, my I got to throw my words around a little bit. Yes, let's use it all we can. So there was actually a, a company I, I wrote about in the book. Um, right, I, right now I'm honestly I'm drawing a blank on their name, but they actually That's have a have the capability of looking at helping you figure out before you make a hiring decision whether this is going to have a disparate impact because they're looking at the, the people coming in. They're not showing that to you. They're saying like, hey, by the way, before you make this hire, just know this. So they're giving that kind of flag. That's one of the interesting things that I think AI can help us do. Again, we're talking about this starting out, but the word I use is augment what we can do. Mm-hmm. Humans are great at certain things. Let's let us do those and let's augment our capabilities with the stuff that, that AI is able to handle and automate for us. There's another company I ran across that you, you'll appreciate. They actually are a, it's a chat bot, but it collects anonymous inputs and anonymous feedback, whistleblowers, things like that from inside the organization, protects their identity, but passes those things on so that the person doesn't have to go to their boss or have to go to HR and feel like, you know, someone saw me walk in here and the next day everything breaks loose. And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw her walk in their office. I know who who blew that whistle. And so right, there are some right. ways to to protect yeah. people, to make sure that we're we're trying to be equitable and trying to be fair with those things. It excites me to think about us looking at people for their skills, for their interests, for their desires in the workplace not for other things that really shouldn't matter. You know, how many years of experience you have or what school you went to and all those other kind of things. And it's so easy. It's so easy to overlook that in the day-to-day. Like, oh, you went to the same school as me? Well, let's have a conversation. And suddenly we're, we're making you a job offer, even though there was a perfectly acceptable person over there that didn't get it. And if an AI tool can help shield us from that, can help us look just at your objective capabilities, everything else, one of the examples of that would be the resume blinding tools. If you and I applied, it wouldn't show our names, might show our initials, but it wouldn't show mm-hmm. our names. It would just show I've our experience. It yeah. pulls your address off. It pulls off your, your, if you have a degree, it lists the degree, but it doesn't tell where you went to college because those could indicate, you know, your, your, uh, right. socioeconomic, yeah. yeah, everything else. And so they, they tried to figure out anything possible that could be an indicator and take those things off because they didn't want that to, to harm you. So there's a, I'll give you an example of, of how, how far that goes. There was a company a couple of years ago that told me they had been demoing a tool that is predictive analytics that would tell you which people you should hire out of your resume pool. And they said, okay, you know, show us what's under the hood. And the vendor was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So they kind of pull back the curtain and they show them that the top two predictors of whether these candidates it was showing were going to be a good good fit were if it was a if the person's name was Phil and if they had coached lacrosse in college or played lacrosse in college. You're like, what? What? But it was it had seen some current employee who had those factors or a combination of current employees <laughs> that had those factors. And it was like, oh, that must be good. And the algorithm started recommending anyone that had something related to those. And that's just how the algorithm can't make those kinds of judgment calls. It right. doesn't understand that. It just it made that that connection and it logically thinks it's okay and it's not. And so there's there's an opportunity there. The thing that I tell HR leaders, that thing that I, I tell you, I coach you, I was going to coach you to talk to a vendor that comes to you and says, hey, we've got AI. The response is, okay, but how do you solve my problems? And when they start talking about it, if they're saying, well, we actually look at the zip code for candidates to figure out where they are, like, well, you know, that might indicate their socioeconomic status, right? Like said, right? right. We, we, look at, we look at this, we look at that. You, HR professionals, typically, you have a job because we don't always, 
have this right. But typically, they know the flags to look for when someone's looking at that. The, the challenge is a lot of the, some of the companies that start up, I'll say a lot of some of the companies that start up and start selling things like this to HR and talent professionals, they don't know those things. They don't realize right. you can't ask those questions. They don't realize right. that those things are, are on the, no, the no-no list. And so right. they might be making right. judgments on those and making recommendations for candidates, not realizing that that's a bad thing. So we, we've got to be vigilant about those kinds of uh, conversations and have those things out in mind. Well, I do think that that's part of the human part. You know, I get excited about the idea that people are going to be able to do more um, with their jobs or, you know, d- different aspects of their job. And I think that finding those things, you know, being the arbiter of, you know, is the system actually working correctly instead of, you know, being so in the trenches and not being able to have that sort of high level view over everything. And I think that when you get to step back and look about, you know, what is this giving us? What are we getting out of this? Are, are we getting what we need? How is it overall? You know, is it working? I think that's going to be great. So I think there's a lot of different things that are going to come out of this once we, you know, get it more sort of worked into the system and some of the some of the inherent issues worked out of it, which leads me to, so if someone is looking at integrating HR or uh, artificial intelligence in their HR program, so give us some like practical tips. So if we got, you know, our HR people out there listening, give us some tips on stuff that they should be looking for or um, success, some pitfalls, something practical for them to be able to walk away from today with. Absolutely. So the first one is kind of reiteration of what I said. Don't get wooed by someone saying we have machine learning or it's got natural language processing in it. Get down to the nuts and bolts of what problem it's solving for you and make sure it's a problem you you actually have. I mean, in some cases, it's a it's a solution in search of a problem instead. And that's not what we need. You need you know what your problems are better than anyone else. It needs to solve those things or it's not worth the conversation. And sometimes your actual solution might be, I just need to hire an admin to help us with this stuff because it's too unstructured for an algorithm to handle it. But we could teach someone to do this in a few days and they'd be able to handle it much cheaper than we're paying for that software license. So know that the answer is not always AI. It's not always. In the cases where it is, ask those questions. Be willing to push back a little bit. Don't accept someone's, oh, well, we've got a proprietary algorithm. That's fine. But if it makes a decision that I have to be on the hook for, I'm going to need more to go on than that. I'm going to push back on that a little bit and need to know what sort of signals is it considering, what sort of factors is it considering. And if you think about this spectrum of work that we have in HR, I made the joke about the resumes earlier. Right? That's an example of the kinds of things that are very repetitive, very task-oriented. They're not, they're not human-oriented at all. And they happen over and over and over again. Those are the things that are really good low-hanging fruits for automation, for handing off to an algorithm. for We did some research at the very end of last year, and we actually asked candidates themselves, when is it okay with you for an employer to use AI in the hiring process? And we kind of explained what that was. We wanted them to understand you know, like what it means, and when is it okay with you? And what they said was very, very early in the process, when I just show up on a career site or I'm looking at your job page, things like that, it's okay if a chatbot pops up and talks with me, takes my resume, things like that. But the closer I get to someone handing me an offer and saying, we want you to work for us, the more the candidate wants a human in the process, the more they want to look someone in the eye or, you know, probably not shake someone's hand right now, you know, shake an elbow, but they want to see someone and understand what it's like because we don't make that decision Hopefully, the candidate doesn't make that decision lightly about where they're well, going to go yeah, and what they're going to do. because it's a two-way street, right? Yes. I mean, you're interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing you. And if you never get that 
feel for what is this company, you're going to have a hard time making that decision or they're just not going to make the effort to make the decision, right? Yes, absolutely. So one of the fun things I mentioned in the chat bot as a, an example of that, one of the fun things we found in our research is I'm very skeptical at sometimes. I mentioned I'm an, I'm an optimist, but I'm also skeptical <laughs> sometimes because I hear these all the, the vendors in the HR te technology space saying we're the best, we're the first, we're the only, right. and they can't all be the best and the first and the only. <laughs> and so I'm a little bit skeptical of that. So I push back on some, some of them saying when the, the chat bot thing started, I'm like, is that really that valuable? How do people feel about it? And what was interesting is one of them told me that at the end of the process, you have been interacting with the chat bot. You know it's not a person. There's no illusions there. You've submitted your resume. You applied for the job. 75% of those people say thank you to the chat bot. <laughs> to the chat bot. Thank you for this. Yes, we do. <laughs> because, I mean, if you apply for a job online recently, you want to throw your computer out the window. It's not fun at all. But the chat bot experience feels different. That's awesome. All right. So I, I have a feeling Paul's giving us the signal here. So just to wrap up the show, thank you so much for uh, being with us. If you have a very short, some words of wisdom or some final thoughts for us, that'd be great. Uh, some final thoughts, probably not long enough for a story, but some final thoughts. I'll say, I mentioned earlier, the human skills of work, creativity, collaboration, curiosity, critical thinking, and compassion. All of those are, we would, would want those in a person working next to us right now. We already want those things. But the mm -hmm. research shows that those you know, things are become even more important in the near future. And so focus on those in yourself, but focus on those in your people as well to future-proof yourself. Great words. Great parting thoughts. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us the name of your book again. Artificial Intelligence for HR. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you. If you want to learn more about Ben, you can find him on the web at upstarthr.com. That's U-P-S-T-A-R-T-H-R.com. You can also find him on our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcasts. So thank you all for joining us. Until next time, keep raising the bar.